How many know the Old Testament is still relevant? Amen. Even though some preachers may say we must unhinge from the Holy, from the Old Testament, uh, you really can't understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. For Jesus quoted from what? The Old Testament. Amen. So if Jesus quoted from the Old Testament, we're supposed to do that. So let's go to Zephaniah. It's a book called Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets. Uh, Zephaniah, and I'll give you some time to find it. You can look at the content in your uh, uh, front of your Bible to find it if you're not familiar with it. And so um, Zephaniah chapter number three, Zephaniah chapter number three. It should be on the screen. I gave the scriptures to my uh, beautiful daughter to uh, put up on the screen for you if you don't uh, have a Bible or uh, so we can go. And this is a very important, important word as we establish for the month of December what God has put uh, in our hearts to, to do. Uh, Zephaniah chapter number 3, just two verses, verses 16 and 17. So uh, Zephaniah 3, 16 and 17. The New Living Translation. It says, on that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Zephaniah 3.16, on that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid. What a relevant word for us today. Verse 17 of Zephaniah chapter 3 says, for the Lord your God is living among you. In Isaiah, he says, Emmanuel, God with us. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Come on. Come on. Amen. He will take delight in your gladness. And this is where I got the title for my message today. With his love, he will calm all your fear. That's not right. With his love, he'll calm just some of your fears. He says, with his love, he will calm all your fears. And not only that, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. The original Christmas carol. Come on. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's here with us. And not only that, he lives inside of us. Lord, you know exactly what we all need, and we pray that we will yield to the Holy Spirit to receive from you. Bless your word, Lord, that anything I say, let it be your word. Anything that's not of you, Lord, remove it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For the few moments that I have with, with you, one of the things I want to bring to your attention first and foremost is this year as we thought about the theme for Christmas and we said that it's going to be love came down. One of the things that our decor team came to me and said, Pastor, I, I really believe that God wants us to establish a theme of just uh, keep it simple. And I said, sure. And as I continued on to study God's word and what he had for us, God reminded me that it's so busy. And with all that's taking place, we have crowded out Jesus. And so I think it's appropriate that we just pull everything back and just really let it be about Jesus. 
and what he wants for us. And so in the next four Sundays, God is, is sharing with me really um, the power of humility and his love. And you're going to find that this year, as we make our way to the Christmas uh, service, uh, that it's going to be none like you've ever been to. Uh, because as we journey together, we're going to really see the heart of God and understand what, what's taking place. Um, for my introduction, and I'm aware of the time that I have, one of the things that we must establish is that there's three ways to really greet this month. Uh, there is happy holidays, and that's the politically correct way, so that customers still come into your store and you don't offend nobody. So you would hear people say happy holidays as they introduce this particular month. Nothing wrong with that. Got to make sure we make the ka-ching, right? So we got to do that. There is also season greeting. But if not everybody sees Christmas the same way, especially if a loved one who used to grace the table is no longer there. And some people hate this particular time of the year because it brings up so much memories. And so it's hard to process it. It's difficult. It's, it's, we put on a brave face, but underneath it, we're like, man, I wish they were still here. I wish they were still here. Um, I wish we can hear their joke their contribution. I wish I could still touch them. So for some people, it's not a season greeting. And so do these two ways of, of introducing this month requires a third, and this is where we're all obligated and we're all responsible. Yes, I said the word obligated. It's because we have to say Merry Christmas. And when we say that, we are declaring things in the atmosphere that's bigger than just one day. That what we're saying is that God intervened. Come on. In the affairs of humanity at the right time. You got to hear me, church, because if we're going to understand Zephaniah and we're going to understand exactly what's going on, you must understand that God strategically knew it required the Greeks to bring the Old Testament into the language of the day. It required the Romans, who were the only one that can crucify. Come on, somebody. And it took the Hebrews to bring the religious thing. And those three things came together strategically for such a time as this. Merry Christmas. So to be bold when someone says happy holiday, you have permission by God to say it's Merry Christmas. Come on. Because you speak to so many different things when you declare it like that. This is not a fight over some political thing. We're actually declaring a prophetic word. So let's just practice, shall we? Come on. Everybody say Merry Christmas. Doesn't it feel good? Feels great, doesn't it? My prayer for 2022 is the church is prepared to take its position. What God has given me is we got to give the church direction. The church is aimless. We have no direction whatsoever. People are lost. And I look at all the seats that are here, and I'm telling you right now, we need a bigger place if we understand God's heart for the lost. That our assignment is so much bigger than the White House. Come on, somebody. That our assignment is bigger than Congress. Our assignment is massive, and so it begins by saying, Merry Christmas. And so the text before us, what we're seeing 
and I love the New Living Translation because it gave me the title as we begin this month, and it's, and it's really with his love, with his love. Say that with me, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will do it, not you. God will do it. And he will rejoice over you with a joyful song, not a sad song, but a joyful song. My first point, if you're taking notes, is to write this down because this will set somebody free in terms of your relationship. Write this down. Our human love and heart's desire. Our human love and heart's desire. We live in a fallen world. And so, therefore, uh, this word love has caused so much confusion and debate of what love really is. Our human love at its core is simply feeling driven. Doesn't matter how intelligent you are, no matter what PhD you have. At the core of it, our human love is driven by our feelings. Talk to an eighth grader, and I promise you, you will hear all that kind of stuff. It's all feeling driven. <laughs> Not only that, but the heart's desire is also full of emotions. So with these two things, we have now unpacked how things are from the time of Adam and Eve until we are right now where you're seated. That decisions that we make, that how we connect with people is based a lot about our feelings and also about our emotions. And here's the thing. You actually need both of those to be human. So it's not that these two things are dangerous. The danger comes when you don't understand it in its proper context. You see, what has happened is because of these two feeling-driven and full of emotions, we believe that they need to be expressed no matter how unnatural they are. That if you allow me to feel, if you allow me to have emotions, eventually it's going to come to a place of where I must express, no matter how unnatural this is our design. That's why in Exodus 20, God said, you should have no other gods before me. That's why God gave the Ten Commandments, to check your feelings and to check your emotions. He says, you are in bondage, you are in slavery for how many years? And now you're free. And he says, if you're free, but you don't understand boundaries according to God's word, you will then get into a place of idolatry and you have to express it. Can I teach this thing? Come on. Moses goes up to the mountain to get a word from God. The people are wandering. It's been 40 days. Where is this dude? And what did they do? They go and they say, hey, Aaron, we're going to make you a leader. Why? Because our feeling is it's too long. We're just standing here. So our feelings are going to tell us, hey, let's make Aaron the leader now. And worse, they now were full of emotions. Guess what they did? Let's make a golden calf. Come on. Are you hearing me? So they had this feeling it's too long. They make this golden calf. And it says this is going to lead us right back into bondage again. Do you see why we need his love and not our love? 
You see, when things get difficult and we're waiting on God and he hasn't answered yet and our feelings get all upset and all tied up, and what do we do? We're going to find some other relationship, come on, to connect with, and we're going to make a golden calf, and we're going to say, this is the expression of my feelings and my emotion. Let's worship it. He says, take the jewelry and throw everything in. It's going to create this. And so that became the root of the Old Testament. If you ever want to know the Old Testament, start with Zephaniah. It's only three chapters. And I promise you, if you do a deep dive into Zephaniah, you will get the context of the entire Old Testament. I promise you, I encourage you to do that because then you'll understand God. Let me say it again. You'll understand God. There are books you will read that will speak about history, but the Bible is the only absolute word of God. Are you with me, somebody? So make sure everything we do is tied into that. And so here we're seeing this thing. And so since God is love and love is me and therefore love is love, I can love whoever or whatever I want to. Now, here's the danger. This thought has become a belief and has dominated our culture. And will continue to be taken to extremes. Listen to me. You cannot stop sin. It'll do this and you give it room. It'll do this. You give it room. It will do that. Listen, don't play with sin. Come on. The reason we have to preach about sin is because sin will destroy you. And Jesus recognized that. God recognized that. And so in our culture, it's taken to extremes. That's exactly what happened in the book of Zephaniah. So when we're seeing all these things that are happening, God's like, that's nothing new. That's just man full of their feelings and expressing their emotions. In other words, they're saying we don't need God, or at least we need God and this. And so at the rate that we're at is out of control. Not a great introduction to this Christmas theme, is it? You see, I'm not attempting to paint a dark picture. I am simply describing our nation's reality and people's personal practices that will eventually affect all of us if we don't preach God's word. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 declares the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Society is sick and our human love and desire of our heart attempt to restrain It tempts to resist, but it will never work because pride is rooted in the soil of our souls. Here's the challenge. People want solutions, but what we need is a savior. (laughs) I heard that. I thought it was so cool. That was so cool. Politicians promise to safeguard morality if you just vote for them. And they said that we'll reassure that these limits we can contain. We won't allow them to only go so far. But listen, the love of money is the root of all evil. Whoever signs the biggest check gets the voice. Let me say that again. Whoever writes the biggest check gets the voice. Everybody's got a price. The scripture clearly tells us that everyone that, that, that it says everyone That the issue that we're facing is this human love and the desire of the heart. And if it's not put in check, if it is not put in check, 
we will be in trouble with God. And that's where Zephaniah lands right here. Instead of following God's commands, they had modeled the pagan way of the surrounding nation. And what we're facing here is with the judgment of God. So first point is this. With his love, he judges his people. With his love, he judges his people. You read the Old Testament and you read what the prophets were saying from the time of Moses and all the way. What he kept saying was God judges people. I even go all the way back to Cain and Abel, that God will judge his people. He said to Cain, if your offering was acceptable, I would accept it. But Cain, don't get in your feelings and full of emotion. Sin is at the door and it wants to have you. So with his love, do you get that? God with his love recognizes sin is at your door and he judges his people by saying, don't open the door to sin. And so in Zephaniah chapter 1, that's the message. He said, I'm going all the way back to Cain. I'm going all the way back to other people who opened the door of sin. And this nation is in trouble. And he's saying, Judah, Jerusalem. He says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I have to judge because I'm a God of love. He says, with his love, not absent of his love, that would be dangerous. Listen, you can't see the judgment of God and the wrath of God outside of his love. It'll create cross, excuse me, it'll create chaos in your life. And so many people look at the judgment of God outside of his love and they are afraid of God. They don't fear God. Can you imagine the boldness you must have? To say no to God? That God is calling you to a relationship with him and you can say, I don't want it? Wow. The, the, the level of deception that is flowing through people that they can say, God, I don't want anything you have for me. See, it's full of feelings and full of emotions. Because if you understood God and his love, you would say, God, judge me. Please judge me. Don't let sin have dominion over my life. Come on. Even David, who was the king, thought he got away with what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. Come on. And the prophet went to him and says, you're the man, David. I have to judge with love that the prophet knew that the king could have took his head off. But see, we got to get people who are bold, come on, that would risk their head getting cut off so their heart can still beat. Come on, somebody. That we got to tell people, no, you can't do that because sin will mess with your life and all your relationships. You cannot have a successful relationship and live in your feelings and your emotions. I love Megan because I feel like it. Come on. And vice versa. We understand that it's with his love he judges people. The second thing is with his love he judges the nations. With his love he judges the nations. And so any nation, come on, that goes against a righteous nation will be judged by God. He was saying that Israel is the apple of his eye. Because of his love for Abraham. Not not, not they did, but his love for Abraham. I was talking to my friend um, who came in, and Alyssa. And that particular service, I'm still wrapping my mind around it. God was just speaking to me about that service that we had when McKenna was up here and talking about the walk. 
And the Lord reminded me, he says, for both of them, Alyssa and McKay, he goes, listen, the reason why they're here is because I'm their father and because of their earthly father. Come on. That they're receiving the benefit of somebody else. Come on, somebody. That the nation of Israel was receiving the promise because of Abraham's faith. Oh, my God. And so you have to understand, parents, that there's something you carry. Come on, somebody. That you carry a righteous seed about yourself. And you got to be able to understand, listen, that God, he judges the nation. And so Israel, listen, the nations that come against you, I will judge them. I will judge them. And so the reason why we want to be a righteous nation, why do you want to be a servant? can be a Christian? Come on. That won't work. God knows you. You can't, you, you, you can't legislate righteousness. You can't do that. You really think we want to be a righteous nation so we can be Christians? You can't. The Constitution won't even allow you to do that. It's called freedom of religion. What we're saying is we want the righteousness of God to come into our life. So God's favor will be upon us like it was upon Abraham. Come on. And upon Isaac and upon Jacob. I want the favor of God more than money. Come on, somebody. And so the church, we preach righteousness. So the favor of God will be on us. So when the enemies, come on, foreign or domestic, come on, tries to mess with the church, we can be a light and we can stand up and say, no, God fights our battle. Why? Because with his love, he judges the nation. I wish we had some believers who were that bold to say, I'm favored by God. Come on. Can you imagine walking to a restaurant and you tell that waiter, I'm favored by God. Come on. They'll treat you the best because they know you give a good tip. Come on, somebody. You're favored by God. Just say, come on, and change your face counter. Just say, I'm favored by God. So when the devil tries to mess with you, come on, he's messing with God. You're the apple of his eye. God, with his love, he judges the nation. So Zephaniah needed to know that because on one hand, he's judging the people. But Zephaniah says that the nations that are bringing the affliction, that they will be judged as well. And that's chapter 2. But in chapter 3, he now gets to where it's personal. Someone say it's personal. And this is where he deals with the believer. This is where he deals with his people, called by his name. Come on, this is his royal priesthood. I have to take a praise break right there because you have to know who you are. Come on, somebody. Because the human love and the heart desire will prevent you from knowing who you are. So I can't bring my love to the table. Come on. God in Isaiah, ready? He says, you're righteous like filthy rags. The real description, like menstrual cloths. Come on. He said, it's that gross. That the best you can do is like, it's, it's on filthy rags. The best you can bring with your love, God says, that's filthy rags. And so he says, bring my love so you can understand me. Oh, come on. He said, I give you my love so that you can understand this. I rejoice over my people. It's not you rejoicing over God. It's God rejoicing over you. It's not you coming before God and says, God, which we should. But God is saying, no, no, no. With his love, he rejoices over his people. With what? Joyful song. Can you imagine the songs that God sings? (laughs) While we pick genre and, and favor and God's like, no, the song I sing is songs that bring joy over your life. And that's how we got to chapter three and we just read it. Because he's, he's, he's proclaiming, ready to this? 
for the conversion of the people and their regathering as a nation. So in other words, every time we come together as the church in this context, every time we gather together, people whose hearts have been touched by God, we come together and watch us now, and we now sing to the glory of God. Why? Because it's his love that's singing over us. Mm. So the best place for people to come is the church. Don't sing your blues at the church. It doesn't exist. Come on, somebody. You bring your problems to the church because God is singing over you a joyful song. Oh, I wish I had somebody who understands. Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy of the Lord comes in the morning time. He sings with joyful song. So while you're worshiping, God is singing over you. One trying says he quiets you with his love. You see, why were they rejoicing? Number one, they were rejoicing because God's hand of judgment is removed because of his love. God's hand of judgment is removed because of his love. You see how I have to preach love? See, when I talk about love, I'm not talking about this weak, flaky stuff. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about the potency and the power of a love that can cause devils and demons, come on, to leave. Every miracle Jesus did, love was present. Love was present. Everything he did, he did out of love. So we rejoice because God's hand of judgment is removed because of his love. I want that to sink in. Because in Zephaniah 3, verse 14 to 15, if we can get it on the screen, this is what it says. He says, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. That's why you have to not make noise. We increase volume. Come on. That's the text right there to say, oh, I just want to go to the frozen chosen. No, it doesn't exist. Come on. That you have to sing loud. Why? Because there's a devil trying to talk to you. And you've got to sing so that your voice is louder than his voice. Come on. At TGP, we rejoice. We sing. We celebrate. So let's put practice to what I'm preaching. Come on. Clap your hands, all these people. Come on. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. With his love, I rejoice. With his love, I tell the devil to go. With his love, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For God, your hand of judgment has moved from me, and you're going to deal with my enemies. Wow. The people lied about you at work. Come on, you praise God on Sunday because God's taking care of things on Monday. Come on. Oh, that's so good right there. The people that wrote a bad report about you, that's landing your name. Come on, don't sing the blues. Come on, because God is singing over you and God is going to right the wrong. I wish I had somebody here that knows what it's like to be accused. Come on, of something you didn't do, but God rewrite that. Come on, somebody. And God says, I'm going to be favor in your life. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Your hand of judgment is off of me because of his love. Ah, God, you know what I did last night, but your hand is removed. Come on. God knows what you did last summer, last night, in the last minute of your breath. Come on. And his hand of judgment is removed because of his love. That doesn't give you license. That gives you liberty. Come on. Hallelujah. If God removes his hands of judgment, you don't run free. Come on. You realize now that there is liberty. There is freedom. Come on. That I can now embrace what God has for me. That's the people I want to be around. 
I want to be around people who knows it's not all good, but God is good. I want to be around people who says, I know I got a heartache, but God is my heart. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. That's so good. And here's the beauty of it. Oh, God, I'm feeling this thing so good. This is all God's doing. And that's the problem. We thought we had something to do with it. And God is saying, this is all my doing. This is the love of God and nothing to do with our human love. And that's the problem. We can't feel this thing. We have to faith it. We can't just come with our emotions. We have to come with an expectation. And if there's something that God is doing this very hour is this, is that God must remind us that our human love cannot move him. Let that sink in. Because that humbles you to realize I'm desperate for God and I'm dependent upon God. And so we come in in a consumer mindset, God, give it to me. And God's like, give it to who? The breath you're breathing right now is because of my love. Amen. And so that's what, look, so in Zephaniah 3, 15, here's what he says. Here's what he says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 15. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel. Hold on a second. I thought they had a king. In this context, I thought they had a king. And here he's saying he's the king of Israel. It was always him to be king. This is a, this right here is Jesus. Oh, come on. In the Old Testament, this is Jesus. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will do what? Live among you. Oh, my goodness. That's Emmanuel, God with us. That's the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's what it says. At last, your troubles will be over. And you will never again fear disaster. What a message we need in the midst of what's going on in this nation. At last, your trouble will be over, and you'll never again fear disaster. So start that business. Come on, somebody. Write that book. Come on. Come on. Set your goals. Come on, somebody. Apply to that position because God in his love is doing it. One more. He says, rejoice, and again I say rejoice because the Lord is at hand. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 5. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Because the Lord is at hand. So in one area, the Lord removes his hands. Another time now, that says the Lord is at hand, talking about his coming. In Philippians 4, verse 4 to 5. The Passion Translation says, be cheerful with, with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let me read that again. The Passion Translation says this in Philippians 4, verse 4 and 5. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. That means every single one of us right here should have an attitude of what? Rejoicing. In every season, let your joy overflow and let your gentleness, which is the word for humility, be seen in every relationship for our Lord is near. Oh, I love that. That is so good. So, Pastor, why do you praise God and all that's going on? Because I understand this one thing. With his love, I can rejoice. With his love, I can rejoice. But is everything okay? It's not. But with his love, I can rejoice. So the Lord said to me, he says, Ro, the reason why I'm having you preach on humility is to reveal pride within the body. 
within my heart and within the body. He says the reason why we need humility is because we have to get to this place where we understand that we need God's love. And that our human love cannot, cannot move the heart of God. I want that to sink so you think I'm, I'm breaking theology. I want you to understand something. That God is the initiator. And he knows that outside of him, we will destruct. And so he gives us his love. So now he says, when you approach me, approach me with my love, not yours. Oh, come on. We call that conversion. We call that Romans 12, be transferred by the renewal of your mind. This is the difference between the love that's divine and the love that is based on feelings. Is that we come with his love. And why is it so important, Pastor Rowe? And here is why we need it. Here's why we need it. Write this down. With his love, he will leave humble people in leadership. With his love, he is leaving people with a humble heart in leadership. He said, I need to leave people who will direct you to me with my love. And so in Zephaniah 3, verse 12 and 13, he says this. But I will leave in your midst, this is verse 12, a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Am I describing anybody this morning? That I will leave in your midst a humble people with my love. Seeing all that's taking place, seeing all the armies of the Molech and, and, and Baal and all those things, all those gods, all these gods are being worshipped. He says, listen, I will leave humble people in leadership. And he says, what are they going to do? They will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies. Nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. What an amazing leader. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall be afraid. In this hour, because we need direction, God is bringing humble people who understand his love. And they're going to direct us into how this nation can be a nation under God. Come on. He leaves humble people in leadership. The story of Elijah. God called him to be a prophet to a nation. And Elijah goes and he tells Jezebel, this is what's going to happen. And Jezebel didn't like that. And so they got to the valley and to the mountain, excuse me, there was a battle. And so God judged and he brought fire to consume everybody. And so here was Elijah used by God, if you know the story, in First Kings. Here is Elijah, and he's used mightily by God, if you know that story. That he opened up his mouth and says, it will not rain, it didn't rain. Open up his mouth, it will rain, it rained. That the prophets were cutting themselves full of feelings and emotion. They were cutting themselves, bleeding for their God. And Elijah said, maybe your God is in the bathroom. 
They're trying to get to their God with their love. And Elijah came and says, no, with the love of God, he says, this is how it is. You're between two opinions. If God is God, then serve him. And after all that, Jezebel found out and said, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah ran. He ran. And he's talking to God and says, God, what happened? I did everything in your name. What happened? And God says, listen, you're not the only one. Come on, somebody. You see, sometimes when we're answering the call of God in our life, we think we're the only ones. And we hear a death threat on our life, and we think we're the only one. And God says, no, I got 7,000 prophets, come on, who have not bowed down and kissed the prophet Baal. You are one of those humble people that God has put into leadership. And that's why we're going to talk about goals. That's why we have to get prepared for 2022. Come on. That this nation is looking for direction and it needs somebody not with human love. It needs somebody with the love of God. Come on. Who can come in and says, this is the way walk in it. There is no injustice in my lips. There is no lies that I speak. There's no deceitful tongue. We need pastors in the last hours who are humble. Come on. We need employers and employees to be humble in these last days. Don't miss it. Don't miss this. With his love, he leaves humble people in leadership. He leaves humble people in leadership. Father, have your way. Pastor Rowe, I hear you talking about with his love. And you actually believe I'm in leadership to lead people into the promises of God? Yes, I believe that. See, where we are challenged is this, and this is my last point right here. We have a lot of people who believe in God's love, but they have never received his love. Let that sink in. They believe in God and his love, but they have never received his love. If you're here this morning, you want joy in your soul to be humble, you need to receive his love. If you want healing for your mind, you need healing for your body, you need to receive his love. If you're balanced suicidal thoughts, receive God's love and take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. If you're feeling isolated, you want to be alone in your depression. This time of the year, I know is hard. You don't want to be in your feelings. You don't want to be full of emotions. You are struggling financially. You are tempted to disconnect from the body. Here's the answer. Receive God's love. Your life is complicated and you are confused and you don't know how to make wise decisions. What's the answer? Receive God's love. You are surviving, but you desire to thrive in life. Receive God's love. That was the message Zephaniah was saying, that God is singing over you with his love. And he's saying right now, the most loving thing you can do for yourself right now and for someone else is to receive God's love especially in this season. So what moves you from your chair to the altar? 
it's with his love. That in your own human strength, you will never leave that chair because it's like concrete and you are cemented into it because you realize I'm the only one struggling with this. And if I leave my seat and come to the altar, people will say something about me. My life's not put together. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. And what he's saying is that you believe in God, but we still sit there. And God is saying right now, this is the season for you to receive God's love and with his love. Oh, my God. You would tell every devil to be quiet. You would tell every voice to shut up. You would realize now that I'm loved by God. The best thing you can do right now is to receive God's love because your love won't cut it. Every head, body, every eyes closed. We just sing this song. You need his love. Come on, you can't parent without his love. You can't lead a company without his love. You can't survive tomorrow without God's love. Don't allow pride to get in the way. He's looking for humble people to put in leadership. Who can lead the church? My God, I hear this message so strong that God in his sovereignty has chosen this church. And he says, Pastor Rowe, I'm holding, I'm raising up humble people who will say, with his love, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.